coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. It opened me up to parts of myself that I just didn't know existed or I'd hidden or I'd suppressed away. And, and some of those parts were like incredible. It's like, wow, never felt that before. Wow, this is incredible. And I plunked myself back into the Welch job. And this is like only a month later and I'm sat at my desk and it just didn't cut it for me anymore. And I thought I was having a crisis because I used to go home and cry at night. It's like, what? I shouldn't be crying right now because I've got this amazing job. But there was a knock on the door from the inside. Mate, this is not aligned with who you are anymore. You don't know what to do. You're on a lot of money. Can you give it up? It took me a year actually to pluck up the courage to tell Warren Gatlin that I was leaving and I left six months before the World Cup. Hello everyone, my name is Craig White. You can find me at craigwhitementoring.com on menwithoutmasks.com. You can find Men Without Masks and Craig White Mentoring on Instagram and YouTube channel. This is my episode with Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons, and learnings. Today we spoke with Craig White, transformational men's coach and elite sports consultant. Craig is a high-performance consultant for World Rugby, supporting Tier 2 nations like Chile, who actually recently beat the USA to qualify for Rugby World Cup 2023. He is a mentor to elite performance coaches and teams and the founder of Men Without Masks, a transformation program and community. Craig was the Welsh Rugby Union National Squad Physical Performance Manager, a strength and conditioning coach for the British and Irish Lions on two tours, 2005 and 2009. He's worked for other teams like the Leicester Tigers, Wasps and the Irish Rugby Football Union. Today, Craig shared his story for us, his journey of self-discovery and change from high-performance rugby to yoga and meditation and men without masks. What is the essence of this movement? Craig has been searching to understand how to optimize performance. His quest has taken him from the gym and rugby field to the yoga ashrams of India, the jungles of South America, and the four corners of the world. Compassion and love come through this dialogue and vulnerability. Echoes of a recent chat with Cameron Schwab. Craig is impacting many and understand why today you will leave this conversation with something to think about. Craig White, thanks very much for joining the show. Really grateful for spending some time with you all the way over in Chile. Um, yeah. how's, how's life treating you? Yeah, life's good. I'm just in Chile for a month, um, doing some work with the Chile rugby team as they prepare to try and make history by um, beating the USA in a back-to-back home-and-away game in, uh, in two weeks' time. And if they win, they qualify for the first-ever World Cup. So it's quite exciting. Give us a sense of what is it like Chilean rugby? How many people are interested? What's the aura like around the team? Yeah, I mean, it's a challenge, you know. I mean, they do have uh, rugby in the schools and some strong schools, English-influenced schools, mm. quite old. But um, as a nation, you know, you speak to somebody on the street and they don't even know what rugby is. <laughs> and I have to do that. I say, you know, football, rugby. <laughs> ah, okay. So, yeah, it, it's just, there's just not a uh, rugby culture here. 
at all, really, in the grand scheme of things. So it's a challenge. You know, they have a head coach who I know from working with Uruguay two World Cups ago, Pablo Lemoine, and um, he's a real fighter. You know, he has to fight for everything, and uh, and it's a challenge for him. And they've done really well to even get this far, to have a sniff of, of qualification. Yeah. What are you trying to bring into that sort of environment? Obviously, you said Uruguay and now Chile. Yeah, you know, not the not the powerhouses of world rugby, right? But from your experience, what do you try yeah. to bring into that environment, that culture, to help get them over well, the Eagles? Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you. It's a good question that, and uh, I'm I'm blessed really, um, because if I was if I was working with an England now or an Ireland, I would probably pigeonholed into some kind of role in some kind of mm. specificity. Yeah. But um, from a personal perspective, I, I still love working for World Rugby with the tier two nations and Chile are kind of tier two, tier three even, yes. because, um, you know, once I've established connection and trust, then I can go in with a, with a blank canvas really. And I can call on my SNC background. If I need to, I can add something into the kind of sports medicine rehab side of things. Um, and more than anything, you know, my real love now at this stage in my career is, is kind of looking at how to build culture and, and build a really strong, brotherhood if you like which dovetails not only with my rugby work that i'm into now but also some of the work i do outside rugby with an organization that i created called men without masks so in short it's a blank canvas i love it i can kind of look very holistically these guys work so hard with limited funds so they're all kind of working at the coal face and it's really handy for me to kind of come in with an eagle eye view and just kind of see where I can add my value and where they can kind of get further improvements in a short space of time. A word you've touched on, we're hearing it an awful lot. And in, in the worlds we work in in well-being and performance, we hear connection, collaboration, but but trust is is the big one. And how, Craig, what do you look for? How do you instigate that little bit of trust? How do you get people to maybe buy in and come together a little bit more? I'm speaking from experience. The two of us would have nearly gone into environments sometimes where we're trying to build trust pretty quickly, maybe because there's time pressures for a tournament or something like that. So how does that work from your experience? I mean, it's such a big topic, isn't it, to talk about in in 40 minutes. And, um, you know, hopefully hopefully we can do another one in the future and talk only about trust. And uh, it's such a huge topic. And the thing with trust as well is, you know, I believe it's not something that we can cognitize it's not something that we can think about and say oh we've got trust haven't we it's an embodied feeling it it really is felt in the body so you know if you've ever worked in an organization and you've had a trustful culture it's kind of a feeling it's kind of you, you don't really you can't really create a model around it but there's a feeling of wow we've got trust here now if we want to put some logic into it you know basically I, I i like the work of, of of stephen covey and i've kind of developed it a little bit further and you know where he kind of looks at two sides you know one side is is the kind of qualification experience knowledge side if you like and the other side is is more around our character and integrity and congruence and and so on and so on and 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 so it's nice to kind of look at those sides when i go into an organization but um the fastest way to, to develop trust, and it's part of my, my kind of um, journey here, if you like, over the next month, is for me, we have to know each other. You know, that there's a sense in a community, and, and, and in this context, a rugby community, that, oh, yeah, I know him. 
I know him, but really, in my knowledge, a lot of teams, they don't really know each other. The first step is knowing each other. And I created like seven levels of knowing each other, which are like done in circle formation. You know, the first one is general questions and then deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then the final one, it it gets to a depth where we're asking each other, you know, how you want to be remembered when you die. You know, if God came down and looked at your life right now, what would he say about you? But it takes a while to get to that level, you see, and and it takes a certain level of skill and facilitation to even allow a safer environment for people to open up in that way. So knowing each other is a, is a huge aspect of trust and also showing each other is a huge aspect of trust. And also what's important in teams to generate trust from an individual and thus collective perspective is guys need to express their daily talents on a daily basis um, a culture that I believe do this quite well is Harlequins. I did some work with Harlequins last year. And there's so many different personality types. And, you know, you've got introverts, extroverts, mavericks, and the quiet types. And in my judgment, they're all allowed to be themselves. Um, and I've been in other cultures, no names mentioned, where it was a little bit more kind of, well, we do it this way and this is, the, this is us. And, and if you don't do it this way, you're out. Yeah. So I guess... What came through with them without planning was three aspects of trust, knowing you knowing each other, being able to express our God-given talents, and I can't even remember the third one. Well, I, I might challenge you a little bit just off people building trust together on a maybe a superficial level, but maybe that's all you need to in a short bout, like you're doing a bit of teaming, you're working with a team that you're not going to, or a group of people you won't get to talk to much more than a few minutes for some activity. And I go back to a memory I have Strange enough, we were at an Oasis concert in Slane Castle, Oasis' last ever concert, and we got a bus home with individuals we never met before. But the bus was broken down, and we all faced into this, this big challenge of getting home. And I think there was a moment then when we got the bus going, and we stopped at a shop, and there was sort of a shared sense of community and the people on the bus, because we'd been through a small bit of adversity, that I even seen people buying, one person didn't have enough money to buy a sandwich in the shop, and someone else on the bus who didn't know them, sort of gave in and said, oh, I'll give them money. I don't think that act would have happened unless we went through the adversity together. Yeah. And you see it with teams where if they go on a training camp or they do hard training or challenge, they find that they build a cohesion and maybe a trust together. Yeah. Is it possible to build maybe a small level of trust by creating artificial adversity in a training camp or something like that? Well, yeah, 1 million percent. I mean, that's what the armed forces do, isn't it? You know, they do that over a period of time and that's yeah. what they do in basic training. A million trillion percent, you've, you've touched on something there that I missed for sure. Adversity is, is, is critical, really, you know, and seeing each other when we're under pressure and seeing how we respond under pressure, um, for sure. Strangely we, enough, on a, on a bus we, coming from an Oasis concert. <laughs> adversity, you can, we can call it intentional suffering. You know, some, in, in my work outside of rugby, that's a key part of, uh, of, of knowing each other and building trust. A little bit of intentional suffering, for sure. Touching on, you said it there, and obviously the, the reason why we were so intrigued to get you on this, Craig, was obviously a couple of people out, in our circles spoke about men without masks and that, that space that you've obviously created where a lot has come from it, a lot of a lot of energy and a lot of connection, but also probably in people showing a lot of vulnerability and and showing yeah. sides that maybe they don't show in their other world per se. Yeah. How did you come to creating that, and what what's the essence of it? What are you trying to do with that? 
Well, well, I mean, the name says it all, doesn't it? You know, kind of taking off, feeling safe enough to take off that mask and reveal the true you and, and get in touch with feelings that maybe we suppress growing up so that we can we can feel whole and we can feel more authentic and, and not be afraid to show ourselves more and, and kind of drop the mask of worrying what other people think of us and so on. So I guess you can get a, a reference of what it's about by the name itself. But... Um, I created uh, initially I created retreats from men because I'd been on some and they were really rich for me but um, there was a critical time in my life about 14 years ago where um, I was working for the Welsh rugby team I was head of performance and my wife at the time Marta who's not anymore but my ex-wife she begged me to go to Thailand on, on a yoga retreat and um, I wasn't really into yoga then I wasn't into the practice of anything that wasn't linear and logical, to be honest. But under the surface, I was quite curious. I'd read a lot of books on Buddhism. And I didn't tell anybody. I'd read a lot of books on spirituality. And I thought, you know, let, let's go. So I went for a month to Thailand on this full-on yoga retreat. You know, it wasn't your detox yoga retreat where you drink wine in the evening times. It was a full-on with ancient teachings and, and, and deep practices and a lot of breath work and meditations. And, and um and it just opened me up, me up really. It, I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't distracted. I had to practice. And um, it opened me up to parts of myself that I just didn't know existed or I'd hidden or I'd suppressed away. And, and some of those parts were like incredible. It's like, wow, I never felt that before. Wow, this is incredible. So much joy, so much happiness, so much bliss. And, and there was other parts. It's like, wow, where does that come from? Where's that anger come from? Where's that? Why am I crying? And, um, and, and I plunked myself back into the Welch job. And this is like only a month later and I'm sat at my desk and I'm looking at the same staff. I'm having the same conversations and it just didn't cut it for me anymore. And I thought I was having a crisis because I used to go home and I'd cry at night. It's like, what? I shouldn't be crying right now because I've got this amazing job. But there was a knock on, on the door from the inside. Mate, this is not aligned with who you are anymore. You need to go to the next level of evolution. You're in a period of confusion. You don't know what to do. You're on a lot of money. Can you give it up? And cut a long story short, it took me a year actually to, to pluck up the courage to tell Warren Gatland that I was leaving and I left six months before the World Cup. And that's when I kind of went on my journey of self-discovery and I did a pile of stuff from, you know, really deep detoxification, mental and physical, to mm. yoga teacher training courses and meditation mm. teacher training courses and, and fasting retreats and time alone and psychedelics and a whole pile of stuff, really, that is too too much to even talk about in one day. And, um, and during that process, I came to a point where I was working for World Rugby because, you know, I, I was good at it, it paid the bills, but I was really using the money to, to just develop myself and take me on a different journey. And, and then I got into NLP and shadow work, um, mental training, you know, mental skills training and, and leadership and male leadership and what it means to be a man and so on. And, and there was a time where I thought, you know what, I've been really good at, with groups of men from the age of eight, but I don't want to work full time mm -hmm. in rugby. So apart from my world rugby work, what can I do? And that's when I created Men Without Masks. And um, little did I know that it would take me to a far, far deeper, of, deeper level of male connection than I've ever experienced with any rugby team. Great insight. Why do you think the younger Craig White didn't want to share 
that he was reading these books about Buddhism and spirituality. Yeah, because I was raised in an ultra, ultra, ultra hyper-masculine culture. You know, I was born in Wigan. It's a rugby league town. I was supposed to become a professional rugby league player. Uh, and that was my track for a while. I played rugby at a high level, but thankfully didn't sign professional for me. Um, I was only small. My mum thought, wow, this, this, this lad's gonna, he's getting bullied at school. Let's toughen him up. And I'd get bullied at school and my mum would take me to the guy's house and make me fight with him on the street. So my mum was toughening me up. And also growing up, watching a lot of TV with my mum and dad, it's like my mum was projecting greatness onto gladiators, alpha males. And, and so anything that brought connection from my mum was welcomed and it was mostly hyper-masculine and anything that my mum didn't like, which is usually the, the other stuff, it just got relegated into my shadow. And that's part of our condition. It's part of human evolution. You know, we, we show one side and we suppress another side. So I just wanted the world to know that I'm, a, you know, I'm a fucking man and I am this alpha and don't fuck with me. I might be little, but if you cross me, you'll know about it. And it was only really after after getting into yoga and get feeling into my body really where we store all our stuff that I recognized that there's, a, there's an incredible part of me that I'd suppressed and I wanted to reclaim. And it's helped me in my coaching actually to be more compassionate and, and to get, you know, most of my clients are men and to get them and to feel them, you know, when they're angry, I can feel it when they're sad, I can feel it. So I can, I can connect now with, with almost all of my clients on a deep embodied level that I couldn't, do before when I was just a, an SNC coach. I might just ask if it's all right, just for a, for people listening in and someone might be going through this, maybe they're, they're just hiding aspects of who they probably feel they really are, but they don't yeah. want to show it because the environment and the circumstance they find themselves in. What advice would you give to that person to start in a journey of maybe increased self-awareness or really discovering who they are? It's a good question. that I, I don't even think I've been asked that question before. So just give me a moment. Um, I mean, my first response to that in any group, even, even rugby groups, you know, I have this real belief because of what I've seen that almost every man wants to show more of himself. He wants to be vulnerable. He wants to be courageous, but he, he gets caught in the tribal mentality and it doesn't happen. But coming back to your, your specific, the specifics of your question, um, I mean, it's, it's just important to surround yourself with a core group of people that are like-minded and, and now, and I, even in rugby, you know, in, you know, there's so much out there that players are exposed to. You'll always get a core group in, in a rugby team, which might be one, two, three, four. It could be even six or seven guys who are deep, who have deep conversations, you know, who want to know the, more about the meaning of life. They want to know how they can influence the world beyond rugby. And so it's important for, for people like that to... Um, to kind of feel into the group and, and gravitate towards those and, 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 and have those conversations because whilst you might be in a team of 40 guys, you do need to express yourself on a daily basis and not bottle things up. So, so it's important to connect with the guys that are more open-minded, if you like. We spoke to somebody, Craig, this week, um, Fiona Brennan, and she talked an awful lot about showing self-compassion and self-love. And it's something for our, our world, definitely in performance sport, and Irish people, and in rugby, we, we don't do a lot of it. How important is that, maybe when you're there in that environment, especially working with individuals, that they don't even recognize the good stuff that they've done or that they're doing? And, and how yeah. much can that really help us? 
I'm like, I'm enjoying this podcast. The good questions, these. <laughs> good. Thank you. Put in the prep. Well, I mean, <laughs> you're deep. I love. I love depth. Do you know in in the work that I do one on one, sometimes with coaches or or any man, you know, any man that approaches me for more of a kind of a life coaching journey, um, there comes a point in the journey. There was a a client of mine a couple of months ago. I've been working with him for about six months, and he said to me, "Wow." He said, you know what? He said, he said, it's not out of there, is it? He said, I know I can talk to you about my challenges. He said, but he said, I don't love myself, do I? I said, no, you're right. Bingo. He said, I need to learn to love myself, don't I? That's, that's the gold. I said, mate, that is the gold. Everything we've done over the last six months, I've just been slowly guiding you into that realization. So it is about self-love, but it's like, what is self-love? When I'm working with, with teams and individuals, I often give give a give a give a presentation, and depending on on the team, sometimes I'll call it the polarity of love. If I feel confident and I feel the team is open, sometimes it's the polarity of brotherhood. If it's a bit more kind of alpha environment, the polarity of culture. But really, it, it is about love, and and for me, there's two aspects of self love, and you you could, if you want, call them masculine and feminine, but I'd prefer to call them support and challenge and on on the support side of self-love it's about it's about being kind to yourself and it's about receiving kindness and it's about the softness and it's about the fun side and humor and not taking life so seriously and it's about nourishing yourself and it's about having your massage on a monday and it's about getting good sleep but the other side of of love which if you like you, you, you could say is is your own inner father challenge it's the opposite side. It's it's where within team sports, from a place of safety and love, I can look at you, David, and I, and I can say to you, mate, because I love you, do you fucking realise that you're pricking about at the moment? You're not following your word. You're not keeping your word. I don't know if you can see it, but you're letting yourself down. You're letting your family down. You're letting your mates down. They're both aspects of self-love, really. That's brilliant. And I think the credibility piece comes in there that you build that connection with someone. They're able to say that to you and it carries more weight because you can criticize. Yeah. And you know what? What what teams don't realize in my experience, you know, because of the way we've been conditioned in life, you know, to be, especially in rugby and sports, to be tough. And this cultivation of supporting each other with more courage and vulnerability and challenge each other with more courage and vulnerability it actually needs to be trained. It needs to be practiced in the environment, you know, slowly but surely and going deeper and deeper. It's not something that you can just say, hey, guys, we've got to challenge each other more or you've got to support each other more. It actually needs to be practiced because obviously we go back into automatic conditioning and automatic patterning and, and we've, got to, we've got to kind of reprogram, if you like. So it, it, takes, um, it takes some skill and facilitation and, you know, we are seeing some teams employing cult- culture guys now. It's it's if if the guy's got the right skill set, it's great to see because it, it it requires practice, and a lot of the practice is not reading books or listening to podcasts. It's it's embodied practice. It's how we show up with our body in groups and so how we communicate. It's it's doing stuff with our body. I mean, even this word mental skills is such a misconstrued terminology in professional sports now because it's not a, it's not even about mental skills because 
the practice is, is actually with your body. It, it's an, it's more like it's embodied skills, not mental skills, mental skills. You can go and read a book or do some self-talk in front of a mirror, but it's about uh, embodied practice. I'd love to build into the, the cultivation of it. You, you took, you gave us a little bit of a snapshot of to the journey of discovery you went on kind of echoes. You spoke to Steve Guerra about a year ago and he went off on this journey of self-discovery around to understand what different environments would do. And he learned a lot from it. And, and with your journey there, what, what are you doing in the day to day now to, to nourish and further nurture that part of you that obviously you took some time to find and was a bit different yeah. to maybe what you did when you were part yeah. of that Welsh, the Welsh camp. Let me just reverse slightly and come back to that. So if I reverse slightly, my journey was unique to me, you know, especially that self-discovery journey. It was unique to me. And what I did was I just I just lent in. I lent into it and I lent into it and I kept got leaning in and leaning in and leaning in. And and I believe I reap the rewards from that because I'm more comfortable in my skin now in, in this life. Um, I think the key word for transformation of self is leaning in, you know, Another guy might actually have two kids. You know, his wife might be pregnant. He has a set of twins and he says, fuck it, what a huge responsibility. I'm going to lean into this. I'm not going to run away. I'm going to lean in. So there's growth in, in, in many different areas, but the key thing is leaning in. Now, coming back to your question, what do I do to kind of, I guess, stay grounded and centered and in flow and enjoy and contentment? And, and my favorite word in the whole world is inspired. The word inspired comes from in spirit. It, it, it's it's from within. Obviously, sleep's important because I'm a grumpy when I don't sleep. So sleep is is the. <laughs> I'm always one. grumpy then. Two young <laughs> kids <Yeah>. to blame. <laughs> sleep is the number one. Um, I used to have, and it was necessary for me for a long, long time. Maybe ten year, ten years. I used to have a practice, and then I would have my life, and it was quite separate at the time. You know. I'd, there was times when I'd meditate for an hour in the morning and I'd meditate for an hour at night. And, um, you know, sometimes it was breath work. Sometimes it was yoga. Sometimes it was um, more of a vertical centering practice. Um, sometimes it was scanning. Sometimes it was, it was yoga nidra. It, it was all, it, I, I've tried everything really. Um, but now it, it's, now I'd like to believe that because I've, dived into myself that my intuition now is more real I can trust my intuition more so if I wake up in the morning and intuitively I feel like doing a martial arts practice which I do sometimes I've got a stick here which I do a kind of Japanese martial arts practice with I'll do that other times I'll 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 look in the mirror and I'll talk to myself sometimes I'll go for a walk sometimes I will do yoga sometimes I'll exercise but my approach to exercise now is very different to it was 14 15 16 years ago it's more mindful i realize it it's a gift to exercise there's a sacredness to it i'm not just exercising to distract myself from my thoughts so but again the key word and you probably heard me touch on it a few times here is is it's an embodied practice so if if i'm off if i feel like i'm off and my intuitive calibration system tells me that i'll do an embodied practice which is something to get me back into my body it's it's an attention practice where i come back into my body because my body's always in the present moment i'm interested about men without masks and the promotion of this because 
and I don't know whether a dodgy topic to bring up or difficult one for me to say even articulate a lot of the focus now is on diversity and it, it shifts towards the minority groups and the majority groups generally tend to be white males mm. and cohesion males or even males in general become the majority group in certain outlooks is it difficult to promote something that focuses on men's individual awareness of themselves love for each other and also men's health in general it is difficult um it's been difficult really fucking difficult i mean (laughs) we've been running the retreats for about five years and um only very recently it seems to be a little bit easier to get bums on seats you know i don't particularly like social media I'll be honest with you. I could. I'm trying my best to source staff, so I very need to, very rarely need to look at it. But I still, I'm still sometimes having to do things for social media. Um, but it's necessary. But our social media is getting better. It's more inspirational, and it seems to be attracting more more guys. Um, what's also happening is, which I can't believe, because certain guys have such a significant life experience on retreat. If they've got a few quid, they pay forward. We just had a guy from the last retreat. Wow. Horrific life story. Not, not, not every man comes with a horrific life story. Everybody comes for different reasons. But this guy, horrific life story, incredible transformation on the retreat. And he's just paid 10 grand to forward to pay for uh, men that are not in a um, financial position to afford the retreat and, 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 and can really kind of justify the need for the retreat so um it's getting easier from perspective like that um just touching on the question a little bit more as well um i mean i'd i'd love in the future to do mixed retreats with men and women together because obviously why is everything separated at the moment um i don't because there's something really sacred coming into a space sat in a circle for five days without your phone in nature, connecting and realizing that the demons that we've been processing are the same demons as everybody in the group. And and there's something about, you know, being a man and sharing experience as a man that 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 is incredibly, incredibly empowering. And I'm, 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 I believe I'm on this planet to work with men. I'll be honest with you. If you put me in a room with 20 women, I'm not as comfortable. You know, I'm not as comfortable. I start shaking. I'm a little bit inferior. You know, all my stuff comes up from, from childhood. And um, so I'm just trying to kind of follow my path in this lifetime. And that's where my talents and superpowers lie. Um, and But the beauty of the retreat is that, um, you know, in, in a group of 20 guys, you know, you could have, um, I mean, one of my facilitators is, is, is mixed race. Um, you could have a mixed race guy. You could have, um, you know, you could have a Hindu. You could have a Muslim. Um, you could have a bricky. You could have an entrepreneur. You could have a, a billionaire. You could have a teacher. You could have a yoga teacher. You could have a computer anal- analyst. You could have a rugby player. Thankfully, more rugby players are coming in, and and it's you just wouldn't get that outside it, because you know we're so tribal on the outside. We kind of, you know, we we gravitate to guys with similar value systems and there's a uniqueness on the retreat that in the beginning it's, it's like wow i wouldn't connect with you and i wouldn't connect with you and i want to sit next to you you repel me i'm triggered by you 
And the beauty of that is it's all us. It's all our stuff. So we get we then kind of get into that on the retreat and unpack it all. And uh, it's just an incredible roller coaster of self-discovery. And um, in five years, we've not had one negative piece of feedback from it. Touching on the word, your favorite word. It's a word we like as well. Craig, what's lighting up? What's inspiring you at the moment? Where are you drawing that energy to help with all the good yeah. stuff you're doing? So, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm inspired as a result of my, my drivers and, you know, my, my drivers are a result of my life experiences. It's not like I wake up one morning and say, right today, my values are X, Y, and Z. It doesn't work like that. And you get some companies and rugby teams, to be honest, they, they sit in front of a flip chart and they say, what's important to us? What's our values? And it's bullshit. It's absolutely fucking bullshit because drivers are unique and it, it's related to your ancestors and it's related to your life experiences and all the pain and all the pleasure. And in this present moment now, I am a reflection. I am a product of everything that's gone before me. And um, at the moment, like my drivers are definitely within coaching and mentoring and learning and travel in nature um, and health. And to be honest, I also have a driver of financial stability because it's all feeding into everything else to serve my purpose on this planet. So it's all aligned. Um, and um, I'm, I'm actually inspired by rugby again, but more along the lines of my, my work for world rugby, you know, thankfully because COVID has eased off, although not in Chile. Uh, but thankfully, it's eased off in most places in the world. Um, I just I just love travel. I'm just inspired. I'm sat in my hotel room and I can see snow-capped mountains and it just, I, I'm inspired by mountains and I'm inspired by rivers and lakes and waterfalls. And, and if I can combine that with global rugby consultancy work um, and next year, I'm actually running a men's retreat, which is the next level for Men Without Masks, guys that have done my English retreat. I'm running a retreat in the mountains in Peru, in the valley that leads to Machu Picchu. So I'm inspired by travel and I'm, I'm inspired by inspiring men in, in incredible locations because I think that's important to facilitate unbelievable change. I wanted to touch, and you actually gave me a segue into this question because it was, it was something I wanted to bring up today. You find yourself in Chile now. And you've been working in Wales in high performance. You've been all over the world and you're going to Peru now we've uncovered. How do you thrive in new environments? When you arrive in this place, what does Craig White do to get centered, resonate with the area that he finds himself in? It's an edge for me, but I love it. I really, really love it. And I love working with underdogs. You know, I went on two Lions tours and, and I went everything with Wasps and Leicester and I've worked in the English Premiership Soccer. And I think... I don't want to win a rugby world cup. It wouldn't make my life better, but I've done a lot in rugby. And um, now I I just, I just love working with underdogs and put myself into a different way of living in a different culture. And it just challenges me to grow. And um, um, with any new organization, I mean, I cannot bring any of my experience without connection and rapport. I I learned a painful lesson in Wales, actually, um, that's really helped me. At the time in Wales, before I went on my yoga journey, I used to think everybody saw the world the way I did. And it's like, if you didn't get up at five in the morning or if you didn't go in the gym at six and you weren't the last home and you didn't seek out CPD and you didn't run to meetings and you weren't dynamic and you weren't commanding, then for me, you weren't a high performer. And it was such a limited view because 
the physio at the time, he won't mind me saying this, Mark. I consciously I didn't realize that he was reflecting back to me everything that I suppressed. He was slow, empathetic, empathic, more soft than me, more patient than me. He had he was a great listener. He moved slow. And if only I could go back into that role now, I could use him in an incredible way to make the program better instead of trying to make him like me. So coming back to your question, what I've learned over the last 14 years is that in any organization, you can't expect to influence without connection and rapport. So my first visit to any organization is just asking questions, asking questions, not because how much you know until they know how much you care. So the found that's, that is the foundation, but don't get me wrong. Once I'm, in and they trust me then the old craig might come out you know where i'm really commanding and i can be really kind of um accountable and challenge people craig my last my last question i'd love to understand especially with that experience and we we know we've read about it the lions tours welsh rugby what you said high caliber now the tier two journeys what does success mean for you like when you're working in a culture with an individual with a team how do you gauge that you've you've done what you've been set for to do? The inner success for me now, it's a feeling. It's just a feeling. My body's, there's so much wisdom in our body and that might sound a little bit esoteric, but you know, there's so much information inside this body. It speaks to us on a moment to moment basis. And because I've got a deeper connection with my body now, I'm not cut off at the head like I used to be. Um, I can trust what's coming from my body more. So my body tells me when I'm successful and it tells me when I'm aligned. It tells me when I'm on, it tells me when I'm off. So initially success for me, it's just a feeling of, it's a feeling of <sighs> Craig. Yeah. You're on target here. You're doing the best you can. You're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. Keep going. In terms of an out success is feedback. You know, we can't see our own videos. And as a kid, I never asked for feedback. I used to think I was brilliant. And um, so so it, it's feedback. And now I've just I've just learned to ask for feedback in different ways. So yeah, that, that's how I determine whether whether I've been successful or not. And um, but I can see it, I can see it in people in the way they're growing in relate in relation to the way they're communicating. It's not about winning trophies, that's for sure. It's about humans being grounded in themselves to feel safe enough to fully express themselves as in, a, in a natural way, I guess. We're going to ask one question. The final one, yeah. But I wanted to, we spoke to Cameron Schwab, who worked in AFL, and he, he got a quote from a fella, I'm going to mess it up, called Benassi, or Benassi, a former player who used to say the biggest thing for him was to be better than human nature as people. Just thought it was really powerful. Just wanted to share, considering what you just shared there, you know? Yeah, no, thank you so much. It's beautiful. Final question to show that we ask everybody. I think it will have changed so much over your career based on what you've told us today. And we ask people to try and find out their experiences. So we'd love you to share, Craig, what does high performance mean to you? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, like everything in life, there's polarity in everything. You know, we live in this dual, dual experience. There's not one without the other. And, um, the thing with the thing, it triggers me a little bit. I'll be honest with you. Mm. It, it does trigger me. Um, 
even some of the high performance podcasts, it triggers me because it's almost as if on one hand, it's beautiful to acknowledge greatness and some of these great performers did come from adversity. It's beautiful. On the other hand, it's like teaching our kids that unless you're great, life's shit. So what is high performance? It's like the woman that has five kids and still manages to hold a job down and do a good job. Is she not a high performer? The guy, do you know what? In, in my hometown where I live at the moment, Hebden Bridge, um, I forgot about this and I'm glad it's coming up again. One day I witnessed a high performer with so much presence. So presence is a key aspect of high performance for me. It's a key aspect. I witnessed a man with so much presence and grace and skill and safety. And he was a lollipop man. I stopped in my car and this guy went to me, made eye contact. I got the message. And then he did the same to the other side and he put his lollipop down. He was centered and he turned to the wife and the little kids. And he went, he checked again for safety and he went, and he kind of moved them along with hand signals. He was fully present. He crossed the side of the road. He kind of came back to his anchor. He did a thumbs up to that car. He did a thumbs up to this car. And he walked off smiling. And I just thought to myself, wow, what incredible performance that was from a place of love, present, safety, responsibility. He had a huge why. You know, his why was probably bigger than the why of a lot of rugby players and soccer players out there. Yeah, it, it's. I think high performance is when you manage to have enough self-awareness to live a life of service, whether that's to yourself or your kids or whoever, and live it in alignment with your values that allow you to express your God-given talents on a daily basis. That's high performance for me. It's a great answer as well. <laughs> Craig White, thank you very much for uh, giving us your time, giving us your time being present with us today and sharing some of your story. Only, only, a, only a small part, we know. Um, but thanks very much, Craig. We got loads from it. We enjoyed no, it. It's a pleasure. I felt really comfortable with you guys as well. And uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Thanks a million. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.